Welcome everybody to episode four of Dad Travel. Um, this one's going to be a little bit different. So this is going to be my first non-travel podcast. Um, so this is an episode that I've actually been working on off and on and have recorded a few segments and then end up going back and deleting them and recording more and going back and deleting them uh, because it is a very sensitive subject. So obviously, you know, almost two weeks ago now, um, the Santa Fe shooting has been in the news. Um, for those of y'all that haven't really heard where I reside, I live in Pearland, Texas, which is just south of Houston, and Santa Fe is literally 15, 20 minutes down the road from my house. Um, and not a month before the shooting, uh, probably three weeks beforehand, I was actually on that campus because um, one of the sports teams that I coach actually had a game there. So this whole event not only has been very um, very important to me as you know what I do as my profession as being a teacher, you know, and being a coach and working with kids, but also the fact that um, that I have been on that campus and um, played against teams from that school, and so it was a very it was a very um, unreal event to, to have happen in my life. Um, and I wasn't in Texas the day that it occurred. I'd actually driven back to Arkansas because my mother had some major surgery going on. So I was sitting in a hospital room with her as we were waiting for her to get discharged. And um, I was able to sit there and pretty much watch on TV the entire thing, you know, all the coverage post-shooting. Um, coming out of Santa Fe, and so listening to reporters and and seeing sheriff deputies talk about you know how many shooters there were and everything else, and um, and it, it's it's hard to imagine that you know in today's society that this is a not just an issue but a fairly common issue. Um, you know, it it really makes being a teacher, being a student, that much more tough. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about, um, the shooting, talk a little bit more about, um, sort of some reasons why, you know, maybe these things happen, you know, coming from a teacher's point of view and, uh, and episode five, you know, I'll be releasing, you know, probably here the same day that just sort of, you know, if you don't want to listen to this podcast, you'll have another travel episode listened to shortly as well. So stay tuned. So what has changed? What has caused, you know, these school shootings, which, you know, if you look at various data, some are saying school shootings are on the rise. Some are saying that they're, you know, on a downhill slope, whatever else. But but why are these occurring? Well, from the teacher point of view, you know, seeing your children every single day in school and, and seeing how the kids change year to year, um, I think one of the biggest differences is there is a fairly decent change in students now versus 10 years ago when I first started teaching. Um, I think one of the biggest things is I think discipline has changed quite a bit. I know as a culture, we've been trying to shift away from physical punishment, you know, you know, uh, um, uh, spanking, swatting, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, 
And I think some of that has led over, um, you know, even some of the nice kids, you know, some of the kids that, that you previously, you know, would have never had any issues with even some of the, the, the better kids that you have in class nowadays are still going to show you disrespect in a few ways. Um, but it's, it's the kids that, you know, you, you know, you're going to have troubles with them no matter what throughout the year, but the level of disrespect or the level of discipline that's needed for that student has changed drastically. Um, I mean, just, just this year, uh, I can tell you some examples and not just what I had in my personal class, but, um, but teachers around me had. So for example, and I know that technology, it is almost impossible for us to disconnect uh, our technological devices, you know, our iPhones and Androids and all that. But, um, but previously, you know, when I was in school, you know, when I first started out teaching, I would have never had a parent call a student during class. And nowadays, guys, probably, pro- probably once or twice a week, I have a student who has a parent call them in class, not text them, but call them. And so that sort of sets up a bad situation, not just for the student, but also for me, where, you know, how is that student supposed to treat their teacher uh, and treat that classroom and treat the educational environment if the parent is already, you know, disrupting that and disrespecting that, you know, so there's that. All right. But then there's other issues that I've seen this year that it's amazing how little d- discipline is happening in some homes, in some homes. Uh, I'm not trying to give a generalization of, of all parents. But there was a student that um, at my school that literally the student refused to go to school until the student's parent bought him the newest iPhone out there. And I would like to say that this is a controlled event, but the amount of, of kids that are missing school nowadays and, and, um, and, and cussing out teachers and, and bringing, you know, uh, stuff to school they shouldn't, whatever else. Um, I think a lot of that does have to do with, with parental discipline. Um, you know, I like to think that I treat my, my children like maybe not exactly like my parents would have, but you know, a little bit more of a, um, older approach, um, you know, more tr- traditional Southern approach of, uh, you know, my kids, if we're out with a group of adults, you know, I, I talk to my daughter about, you know, not necessarily, you know, speaking into, unless spoken to and not to disrupt and, and, uh, not to interrupt people when they're talking and everything else. And there's certain, uh, there's certain avenues and, and, uh, and, and things that used to be taught that, that, you know, I don't know if they're being taught nowadays. And, um, I think a lot of it has to do with, there's a big feeling in parents nowadays that the parents are supposed to be their buddies. You know, you want to get along with your kid. Um, and you know, sort of how students used to be, um, that or their parents used to be referred to as helicopter parents where they were, they would hover over their child and make sure that, you know, their child was doing the right thing at all times. Nowadays, it seems like in order to try to, you know, be this child's friend and to also make things easier on their children, that term has changed. And I've heard this from, 
uh, from a colleague of mine. I, I've heard it through various uh, media outlets, but uh, I think this term is very appropriate for today's culture. And instead of being a helicopter parent, now we have lawnmower parents. So what these lawnmower parents do is they mow down all the obstacles that the kids face. Um, I think one big element in society nowadays is kids' sports. All right? um, the whole participation trophy uh, culture now. I think this ties in perfectly with this lawnmower parent mentality. Um, you know, we're teaching kids that you know participation is just enough. You know, um, there's no failure. Uh, everybody's going to succeed no matter the outcome. And that's not realistic for today's terms. You know, um, I think part of, of what could be playing into some of these issues that we're having with school shootings and, and, uh, um, and, and suicide and other issues is that I don't think that a lot of these kids nowadays know how to accept failure. Um, and if you grow up your entire life without ever really meeting an obstacle, you know, how are you supposed to handle it? that first time that you ever experienced it. I mean, if you've never experienced what a loss in sports was, or if you never experienced um, a bad grade, because let's say, you know, the, the parent went and talked to the teacher and then went and talked to the principal and, 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 and pressured them into manipulating that grade, not saying that it actually happens, but just hypothetical. All right? How's that student going to face reality when that student, let's say, gets to college and fails its first class or goes into the job world and finds out that they can't uh, wear whatever clothes they want to to work. Uh, they can't talk however they want to talk. They can't uh, be on their phone whenever they want to be on their phone. You know, how are they supposed to react after you know, getting a warning or potentially even getting fired from their career um, or from their school, you know, getting kicked out or failing a class? How are they supposed to react if they've never literally ever faced failure? And... I've seen that, especially athletically. Um, I've seen kids that they're so worried about failing that they quit before they ever can. Um, not this past year, but the year before when I, when I coached back in Arkansas, I actually saw a kid quit during halftime because our team was down by like 10 or 14 points. Um, he, he, he so did not want to be associated with failure. Um, he didn't want to even have the opportunity to be classified as a failure that he quit before that was ever a potential, uh, before that was ever a possibility. Um, and yeah. And so, you know, uh, there's a lot of kids that, that they don't see this failure. And I think it is a big, um, detriment to them as they go through life, because you guys know, just like I know, once you get out there in the real world, failure is going to happen all the time. Right. And if you don't know how to react to it, um, you're not prepared for life after that. Now, one other thing that I see, um, you know, as times change and as the years go on is I definitely think that there's a lesser value of life in our culture and in our society nowadays. Um, and I think one reason why, you know, kids may be motivated to do these horrific acts is um, due to the coverage, you know, due to almost like this, uh, they reach this status, you know, kids are so obsessed nowadays with, 
you know, social media and, and, uh, and, and getting likes on, on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat or, you know, getting onto stories and getting featured and whatever else, um, I think they see this and they just want to be remembered. Uh, they want to get the status. And uh, I think one thing that has got to happen uh, and I've seen a few outlets. I, I, I want to say that Anderson Cooper uh, came out and said that he was going to um, do this, is we have to not release the, the shooter's face, his picture, his name, his age. Um, we need to really talk more so about the victims uh, and tell their s- stories and not the story of the shooter um, because we are pretty much, you know, uh, we're pretty much making these people into icons. And with the case of the shooter in Santa Fe, um, he even studied previous shootings within the U.S. And what he did at Santa Fe had elements of a couple different shootings. You know, There were uh, themes from Columbine and themes from, from other ones as well. And so um, maybe had we not as a society you know put all these stories and and all this information about the shooters out there in the public eye m- you know m- maybe this kid would have looked at, at at other ways of of uh, handling whatever his issues were um so next up um i'm not going to sit here and debate the you know the gun laws and positive versus negative gun viewpoints. But I will say that, you know, no matter which, uh, which side of it you're on, uh, a gun is an inanimate object and a gun cannot, uh, pull the trigger back on its own. It cannot, uh, load a bullet into the chamber on its own. It takes a human being to do that. And so if a student wanted to cause harm to somebody else, or if anybody wanted to cause harm to anybody else, they could grab a multitude of objects. Um, they could get in a car. They could grab a pair of scissors. Um, you know, they could grab a uh, baseball bat. You know, yes, a gun can allow a person to injure and/or kill more people in a shorter amount of time. Um, but going back to you know my upbringing, you know, and my childhood. It was not uncommon that during the fall at my school, you could walk out into our parking lot and see, you know, eight to 10 vehicles that had weapons in them at that time. Because in the South, hunting season is one of the most important times of the year. And so, so many students, including even my brother, they would go hunting before school and then have all their gear, including their weapons, in their vehicle after school. And I only remember one time of ever a, a principal or teacher coming up to my brother and saying, hey, you know, can you go get that rifle out of your uh, back glass and, you know, and hide it, you know, th- that way it's not seen, you know, people just, you know, it was, it was an, it was a custom, you know, people came to, came to school, left their weapons in their vehicle and there was nothing else said or done because they knew that, um, you know, they knew that nothing was going to happen, you know. So something that, as a culture has changed. Um, you know, what that is, you know, maybe it's mental health, maybe it's parenting, whatever else, whatever viewpoint that you have on this subject, something has changed, though. Because 
these school shootings, you know, maybe they are happening more frequently. Maybe they're, they're not, and we're just covering them more, whatever else. But school shootings were not at the forefront of our thought pre, um, you know, pre Columbine. And so the guns themselves, in my opinion, are not the issue. Now, one thing that's interesting about this most recent shooting uh, at Santa Fe, which actually it's not the most recent one because over the last two weeks that I've tried to uh, I've tried to uh, create this podcast and post it, there was another school shooting in, in suburban uh, Indianapolis where a middle school kid asked to go to the bathroom, uh, came back and had two handguns and, and opened fire in the classroom shooting one girl and then also shooting his teacher before the teacher was able to stop him, um, which that teacher is a amazing example of everything a teacher should be. You know, he didn't think twice about jumping in front of a young man with multiple guns and saving his students from a much, much, much worse outcome. But that shooting as well as Santa Fe, um, neither of those kids had a assault rifle. Neither of them had a semi-automatic rifle. Um, the kid had, uh, at Santa Fe, he had a, uh, a shotgun and he had a pistol. Um, the kid in Indianapolis had two pistols. All right. Now their, their action capabilities, whether single action, semi-automatic, whatever else, you know, I'm unsure the exact, uh, capabilities of their pistols, but you know, Parkland and some of the other ones, the big, the big debate was all about AR rifles, you know, and, and these last two. You know, lo and behold, it it doesn't take an AR rifle to cause this destruction. And it'll be interesting to see over the next, you know, several months, you know, what people bring that up as, you know, how people are going to talk about that in the media. Last segment, guys, before I let y'all go and get started on an actual travel episode. Um... So as a teacher, you know, seeing all these events occur, you know, uh, you know, being a student and sort of experiencing how Columbine shaped our culture. Um, so here's a few things that that I as a teacher think about on a, a, a weekly, if not a daily basis. So, for example, you know, pretty much all teachers have a duty um, at some point throughout the school week where they may have to go out and, and uh, be at the bus line as the kids are getting off the bus, or they may be in a certain hallway or part of the school. And uh, in mine, I had this past year, which our year just finished, I had a duty in our cafeteria. And so, you know, even pre-Parkland, you know, I know, I know Parkland was the, you know, was one of the more major shootings this year, you know, that was sort of on the forefront of media and news and everybody was talking about it on social media and what have you. Um, but even before that, you know, one thing that I would do as I was on duty is I would sort of go through scenarios, um, in my head about, you know, where I'm at right now, you know, if a, if a shooter came through this part of the school or if a shooter came through that part of the school, 
Um, if a shooter walked down that hallway, you know, or if, uh, if I needed to evacuate kids, you know, how would I send them to get them out of the school or away from harm? You know, and, and it's crazy to think about that, you know, being set in a high school setting. But that is today's reality. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's, I don't really think there's really much of anything that we could do to change the situation uh, overnight. Um, you know, I mean, you could get more strict gun laws, you could take guns away, but if a kid wants to cause harm, um, I, I don't think there's really anything that you could do to try to stop that. I mean, heck the, um, the kid in Santa Fe, he, he tried to make pipe bombs and he tried to make pressure cooker bombs and everything else. And so, you know, had, let's say, you know, guns been outlawed, you know, and he tried to, um, make bombs and had he been successful he could have caused the same type havoc and damage um but it's things like these that that teachers think about you know they think about if if a kid comes up into my um part of the school you know how am i going to react you know is there a way for me to escape if the kid comes down that hallway or this corridor or, or comes out of those doors you know how am i going to protect my students in my classroom you know, uh, what, what furniture do I have that I can put up against my door? Um, you know, and what objects do I have in my classroom that if I needed a, a thing that could be utilized as a weapon, you know, what do I have that, that I could use? And us educators, we have to think in these terms, um, as, as, as crazy as it sounds, um, you know, that's, that's part of the job nowadays. And, uh, you know, I know in an earlier part, you know, I talked about how, you know, kids are more disrespectful and, and, uh, it seems like there's, there's less discipline at home or what have you, but do not think that myself as well as every other teacher wouldn't put our lives on the line for your child. Um, you know, School is all about having a safe environment for your kid to come and learn, um, you know, or as safe as possible, you know. Um, and we're going to do whatever we can to keep your child safe, no matter, no matter the issue. Um, and I can't tell y'all how many times over the last 10 years I've had to give talks to my kids about, you know, um, let's say after the most recent shooting or whatever else, you know, talks about, you know, Hey, here's some tips that if something goes down, this is where we need to go. This is where we need to hide. If you're not in my classroom, you know, here's some steps that that you can sort of follow. You know, if you can run, run. If you can hide, hide. You know, if you can't do this and this and this, you know, and 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 um, and, and hopefully everything will be okay. You know, um, it's amazing how many times. You know, kids will bring up these um, these situations in class once a shooting has occurred, you know, and we'll get into a big conversation as a group, you know. And I always tell them that, you know, no matter what, you know, if, if something were to happen, you know, I would make sure that you guys um, would would be okay. You know, I'm going to do what I have to do to make sure that you guys are okay. And... I think that's where I'm going to sign it off. Um, you know, my present thoughts still go out to Santa Fe. They go out to the uh, community there in, uh, um, in Indianapolis area. 
Um, you know, parents, you know, keep an eye on your children. Um, I know, I know for a fact that, you know, us teachers, or at least myself, you know, I, I won't say that all teachers do this, but, um, a lot of these students that, that have committed these shootings, I know that, you know, a lot of people come out and say, you know, that I never saw this happen. You know, I never would have thought this kid would have done it. Um, I think as parents, we really need to take a, a closer eye and take a, a bigger, um, take a bigger interest in our children because, you know, as these stories lay out in later days, there's more and more and more information that, that sort of clues us in that, that, that this student was having issues. You know, be invested in what y'all's children are doing online. Be invested in, in uh, how y'all's kids are behaving at school. I know the young man at Santa Fe, his mom had had him go talk to a coach um, multiple days because he was having bad days, as she put it. And he'd go talk to the coach, and the coach would sort of get him in the right mindset. Um, so if you have a student that's having any type of issue like this, you know, if you're seeing that he's posting pictures on Facebook or she's posting pictures on Facebook of, of, of guns or, uh, or things related to, you know, school shooting culture, uh, you know, I mean, if... If your kid's wearing a trench coat in 90-degree weather in Texas and he or she doesn't ride a horse, all right, maybe you need to be concerned about why is my child wearing this type of clothing. And, I, hey, it's horrible to stereotype, but at the same time, I would much rather be in trouble for stereotyping a kid's uh, fashion than overlooking a aspect of how that kid dress and come to find out that could have, you know, helped save a kid's life down the line. So parents, please take a, a bigger investment in your child's daily life. Um, know that your teachers have your child's safety and best interests at heart and we'll do whatever we can to protect their lives. So, uh, so it's AJ Johnson signing off. Uh, episode five will be coming up here shortly. Adios.